Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Amen. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for all the dads that are here, Lord. We just do pray a blessing over them, Lord, and uh, pray that you would fill them with much wisdom to be the best dads that they can, Lord. And may they just walk uh, forward in your grace and in the power of your spirit in all that they do, I pray. Lord, bless them. Lord, would you bless your word? Would you speak to us through your word here today? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can have a seat. Abide or die. What a fun series, huh? Abide or die. Uh, maybe some other time. I'm gonna, I, I knew that today was going to be different because of teenagers praying over them, Kuwait presentation, so I've changed up the message a little bit, and uh, we're going to end differently here today than we would typically end. But I really uh, am excited to share this message with you because I want to talk about what does it mean to be successful in God's eyes? What's it mean to be a successful Christian? This is the overarching theme of what we're looking at here today, and it's important for you and I to know what it means. What, how does God define success, and how should you and I, as his people, define what success is? And so, we'll just look at a couple verses. I'm going to fly over a few things uh, and uh, we'll end differently, like I said, but verse number one starts off with, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So we're called to abide in the Lord, right? Abide in Him. That's where we get the name of the series, Abide or Die. Okay, so if you and I don't abide and remain and stay connected to Him, the other option is we're going to end up dying spiritually, uh, even physically if I don't have a relationship with Jesus in the end, right? So... Abide or die, and verse one starts talking about the father being the vine dresser, which is an interesting word. It's not a word we typically use, right? Vine dresser, it's, it just means gardener, like Pastor John Mark said last week. But the, the heavenly father, he is the gardener. And so it's fun that we're looking at a verse that talks about our heavenly father on Father's Day. Because we gotta remember that he is a good father. He is a good, good father, and he is perfect in all of his ways. It's important that you and I don't just honor our dads today, but we honor the heavenly father, the best father. We need to look to him. And Father's Day is an interesting day because some people can really struggle with this, and I get that. You know, my wife, Pastor Amy, she, I watched her every year on Father's Day, Father's Day weekend. It's a struggle for her because she lost her dad when she was nine. And then the father figures that came into her life were not good, protective, loving fathers. And so every year, she's always had this struggle, like, I don't have anybody to say Happy Father's Day. So she'll say Happy Father's Day to my dad, but she never really had a good, loving father that raised her all the way through life. So it's a struggle, and maybe you can identify with that. 
Maybe your relationship with your dad wasn't good. He was around, but it wasn't good. Maybe he just was absent. Maybe he was abusive, controlling, whatever reasons. That, like, if you've had a struggle of a relationship with your dad, this is a tough day. It's emotional. And we don't like thinking about it, but I just want to encourage you to look to your heavenly father today and know that he can be the dad that you need, that you long for. What's important about dads, and I'll speak to the dads here for a moment, your role is so important, dad. You are what give your kids security. You give identity. They need the love, the protection, the guidance of a dad. And so as earthly dads, we got to do the best that we can because our role is that important. Um, But I just want to encourage us to look to our Heavenly Father because all of us need to find our identity, our security in our Heavenly Father. And you and I all can find that from Him, but we've got to look to Him and we've got to let Him do that in our life. So look to your Heavenly Father. He's perfect. He created you. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. And here's the better news. He knows what's best for you. So look to him. So regardless of who your earthly father is, look to your heavenly father for all those things. And hey, dads, if you want to be a better earthly father, look to your heavenly father. He will show you what a good father is. He will help you grow as as a father. You and I will never be perfect. Hey, parents, none of us will ever be perfect. That's why we need his grace, right? But this is why I always like to encourage parents. You don't have to be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Pray, seek the Lord, pray for your kids, pray for yourself, pray for your spouse. Okay, pray, God, help me, give me wisdom, give me patience. I need the the fruit of patience all over my life today with these kids that I just wanna strangle their neck. Okay, whatever the case may be, right? God, help me, he will help you. Be a praying parent. You'll never be perfect, but you can be a praying parent. And so I'd encourage you to look to your heavenly father to help you be the parent and be the dad he's called you to be, dad. So we're talking about what it means to be a successful Christian. And I believe this, it's possible that you and I can be successful in the world, but not be successful in the kingdom of God. It's very possible. We can find success in the world's eyes without experiencing it in God's eyes. So verse eight of that John 15 passage says this, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so what we see in this is the expectation. We see in this the calling. We see in this really the beginning of us understanding what does it mean to be successful as a Christian? And here's what it means. It means that you and I bear much fruit. That's what it means to be successful as a Christian, that you bear fruit, We gotta make sure that the right fruit comes out of our life. What does that mean? It means that we're growing in maturity. We're setting a godly example to people around us. We're doing effective service in God's kingdom. And we're also making disciples of Jesus. All of those encompass what it means to bear much fruit. Simply put, I would say this. To bear much fruit is to grow in maturity and live on mission. It's both maturity and it's mission. We can't leave out the mission point. Just like I talked about two weeks ago, how we're called to know him and make him known. Sometimes we just focus in on my relationship with God and that's all that matters. I just just grow in my relationship with God. That's good. We gotta do that, right? But also we gotta help other people grow in their relationship with God, make him known. And so it's the same thing. To bear much fruit is to grow in maturity, which obviously is a good thing, but also to live on mission. 
So the fruit that God wants out of your life is not just personal growth. He wants kingdom growth to be a part of your fruit as well. That's his expectation. That's what he longs for in your life. So let's talk about maturity, though, for a few moments. How do I know that I'm growing in maturity? And I'll say there's a lot of people that think they're mature just because they know a lot of stuff. But we got to be careful. Knowledge does not equal maturity. It's good to learn stuff. Grow in knowledge. That actually does help us grow in maturity, but it does not equal maturity. It's applied knowledge and living out knowledge and living it in the context of relationship and community with other people. That's how we grow in maturity, right? So it starts with knowledge, but knowledge does not equal maturity. It just means that maybe you're smart. You understand some things. Uh, I know a lot of people that they can quote scripture. They know good theology and doctrine, but they are not mature. I've seen this even in universities where you got professors that it's like they got all the head knowledge, but their love is gone. You've lost the love. The first love is gone. So knowledge doesn't automatically make you mature. It just makes you smart. And sometimes it leads to pride. It makes us feel very prideful. And prideful people look down on other people and like, oh, they don't know enough. They don't know much. You know, I know better than them. But Paul said to the Corinthians, he says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And that can happen to us. Knowledge puffs us up, but love, he's like, love builds up. So knowledge is good, but love is more important. Because knowledge can lead to pride, but love demonstrates and shows maturity. In fact, I'd say love is the fruit of maturity. Love is the fruit that shows I am growing in maturity. Our ability to love people no matter what is the measure of our maturity. So you think about those people that don't like you, and maybe they tell other people regularly that they don't like you. Your ability to love those people shows the maturity that you have. Because God has called us to love everybody, even our enemies. We're called to love all people. Love is the standard. So, and in fact, as we look at the disciples of Jesus, or look out making disciples of Jesus, we can even fall into this trap of, and I know I've been there, maybe you have too, of like, I just want to share about Jesus so they'll come to church and be a part of church and do all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't just out of an extreme love for that person that just need Jesus. And we can fall into this mode of like, I'm just doing this because I know I'm supposed to do it, but it's just head knowledge and not heart living. You know what I'm saying? So it's important that it, we don't just know it, but we live it, we feel it. It's part of our heart. We just love people no matter what because we're called to love people, not use people. We can use people and we can say, look, look at what I've done. Look at this. I've built this ministry, built this, all this. Like, look at these people I'm discipling and we make it all about us. And we're really, in a sense, not loving people. We're just using people so that other people will think highly of us, Okay. There's that phrase, you know, that ends doesn't justify the means. You heard that before, right? So it's true, isn't it? We're not into using people just so we can justify the means, okay? It, we're called to love people no matter what. In fact, love is the means and the end. Love is the beginning, it's the middle, it's the means, and it's the end, okay? Love is all of that, okay? So love is the fruit of Maturity. It shows, it demonstrates how we're doing in our maturities. And the other indicators of maturity are 
all found in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit. That's what I love about the fruit of the Spirit. They are indicators of spiritual maturity. And so if I'm struggling in one of these, it's just an indicator that God wants to and can help me grow in that area. So let's look at these. Uh, we looked at them last week. We'll probably look at these uh, a lot this summer because basically we're going to walk through the nine fruit of the Spirit in this series. We'll pick one today that we're going to camp on here in just a second. All right, Galatians 5. You guys still with me? Yes. Okay, a couple of you are good. All right. <laughs> Thanks. But the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit produces as we allow him to fill us and lead us. Okay, so how does that happen? Well, the beginning of that section there, Paul tells us this is how it takes place. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I love that. I love how the New Living says this. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's a battle there between the, the sinful nature, the flesh, and the spirit, the spirit man, right? And so it goes on after that. Pastor John Mark read that passage all the way through there. You can see the fruit of the flesh. That's what I like to call it. The sexual immorality, divisions, uh, all those things that take place, selfish ambition, dissension, all those things are the fruit of the flesh coming out. But then Paul says, you let the Spirit lead you and fill you, the fruit of the Spirit is gonna come out of your life. And so the goal is that you and I would live by the Spirit, right? Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit come out of our life. And that really is another way of saying what Jesus said, abide in me. The two go hand in hand. To abide in Jesus and stay connected to him. Paul is saying, this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna live by the Spirit. Just let, let the Spirit fill you, lead you, stay connected to the Spirit, grow in becoming aware of the Spirit in your life. Just like we sang a little while ago, right? Let us become more aware of your presence in our life. That's the Spirit of God. And so you and I know we're living by the Spirit when the fruit of the Spirit naturally comes out of our lives, right? So when someone talks bad about you, how do you respond? Does goodness come out of your mouth or your heart? When someone cuts you off on the road while driving, how do you respond? Is it the fruit of the Spirit that comes out? Bless them. Thank you for that person that just cut me off, Lord. Uh, I'm shocked at how many people get so angry driving. I, it just, it blows me away. Like, even I accidentally cut somebody off, and they're just like, you know, the one finger hello, like, you know, and you can just see, like, they are so, like, bro, if you're that upset by this, I fear for your life. Because you should not be that upset about this. Uh, it was just an accident, which he probably doesn't know is that he probably like, you purposely cut me off, you know, like that. Sometimes I purposely cut people off. Yeah, that's true. And you do too, right? You ever do that like just to get back at somebody? You ever do that on the road? You ever do that? Okay. No. Me neither. Never. Yeah. <laughs> it just blows me away, but that's just an indicator. Uh, if someone gets that mad on the road, that the fruit of the Spirit is probably not coming out of their life in other places as well. 
So it's good for us to think through different scenarios. How am I doing with this? If someone gets recognized and praised for something that you also did, hmm, how do you respond if they don't recognize you, if you don't get any recognition? You did the same thing. How do you respond? Are you glad for that person? Or does the fruit of jealousy begin rising up? When you hear gossip about somebody, what fruit begins to come out? How about if you have a job offer for a promotion uh, to make more money or just a new position or something, you know, uh, how do you respond in that? Because honestly, the fruit of greed can come out right there. It's like, I'm not even going to pray about this. God, I don't care what you have to say about this. Uh, show me the money. I want, like, honestly, this is how we approach certain things in life. Like, I'm not going to pray about this because I'm afraid of what God might say. But here's the goal that you and I live by the Spirit. You don't wanna do anything that the Spirit is not leading you to do. Especially in job offers and decisions like that, those are big decisions for our life that take us different directions in our life. Let the Spirit lead you in everything that you do so that the fruit of the flesh is not leading you in your life, okay? So we want the fruit of the Spirit to come out in everything, okay? So here's the goal, live by the Spirit so the fruit of the Spirit naturally comes out of our life. I heard this, missionary once say this phrase, fruit happens, as a play on the other phrase, if you know what I'm talking about. You know what the other phrase is? <laughs> That's it. Fruit happens. It's true, isn't it? There's going to be fruit that just happens out of our life. The question is, what fruit is going to come out of our life? Fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? So I'm going to talk for a few moments about faithfulness, the fruit of faithfulness, because this is a big one today, guys. If there's one thing we need more of, I believe is faithfulness. I see a lot of people struggling to be faithful these days. It's like the fruit of flakiness is coming out way more than the fruit of faithfulness. And we need to crucify this fruit of flakiness. Faithfulness is so, so, so important. Man, if you're single and you're ready to mingle, you need to be looking for the fruit of faithfulness in that other, pe that other person you're looking for. That's what you gotta be looking for. That's, uh, that's one of the first things you should look for. Are they faithful? I mean, if they're someone who's gone from one relationship to another, another relationship, you might wanna step back and be very cautious, okay? Because you, you are not seeing the fruit of faithfulness in their life. If they've been up and down and back and forth in a relationship with God, just you just might want to step back and just watch and just let God do what he needs to do. Because if they're inconsistent in their relationship with God, how's that going to translate into a marriage relationship? Okay? So you want to see the fruit of faithfulness developed in that person that you would marry because you're going to spend the rest of your life with that person. Hopefully. That's the goal, right? So faithfulness is so important. This is what attracted me to Amy, honestly. Uh, I got to know her for a year before we started dating, and I just watched and I observed her, and what I saw in her is someone who loves people like I had never seen anybody love people. Like our pastor even publicly said to all the leaders, you wanna know how to love people? Look at this Amy girl. Watch her love people. And I'm like, yeah, she does a good job with that. She loves people. But what I was really attracted to in her was her faithfulness. As I learned her story and heard her story, I was her first boyfriend after salvation. I was her first relationship after salvation. She faithfully committed to Jesus. And I'm telling you, the sexiest thing about Amy was not anything outward. It was the inward beauty. 
And it was the faithfulness that I, I, honest to God, was so attracted to. It It was her character. You know that it's the faithful people that God promotes in his kingdom. Faithfulness is so important to God. He doesn't promote the stability. He promotes availability. And those who continually put themselves in a place faithfully just to be used by God. Okay, so 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this is an important discipleship verse because it speaks of four generations of discipleship. Paul is saying to Timothy, the things that you, Timothy, have heard from me, Paul, uh, from among many witnesses, commit these to men. But not just men, he commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's saying this is how you're going to disciple people. And there's gonna, this is four generations of discipleship and training right here. But he's telling, Paul's telling Timothy, look for those who are faithful. So when you're discipling other people and helping other people grow, that's what you want to look for. Look for those that are faithful. If they're not faithful, then you can keep loving on them, but you maybe don't need to waste your time investing too much time into someone who's not going to be faithful, to be honest. We always love people, but we're looking for those faithful people that are going to, because those are the people that God's going to promote, right? As you're being discipled, as people are helping you grow, as you're given opportunities to serve and lead in God's kingdom, be faithful. Don't not show up when you're scheduled to serve. Don't be that person that's always showing up late and, and, and calling in sick. And all that. Be faith. Faithfulness is so important these days, guys. It's like something happened after the pandemic and all of our brains got a section missing in our brains. And people are struggling all over the place to be faithful. We've got to grow in faithfulness. This is the fruit that needs to come out more and more. Jesus said this, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. I like to call this the little much principle. So God will say, I can trust you with more if you're faithful with the little. So you're faithful with the little, whatever God gives you, be faithful with that. You think I deserve more, I want more. Don't worry about that. Just be faithful with who you are right now in this season, what God has given you. And as you are, God will look at you and say, okay, now I can trust you with more. Because one who is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. So what happens is if you're not faithful with your finances right now, when you get more, you'll continue to be not faithful. Because what happens is the, what, the more you get, and again, we can be successful in the, in the world's eyes and we can get more popularity, more fame, more money, more riches, more power, more prestige. And as we get more of that, more of what's on the inside is gonna come out. Because whoever you are on the inside, it will eventually show. And so if you're like, well, I'll be faithful when I get more. I'll work harder when I get a better position or a better job. No, no, you be faithful right now with whatever God has given you, wherever you're at, with the little you have, and then God will see that you can have much more and you're gonna do it the right way too, all right? So what we're seeing here is, as we're talking about what it means to be a successful Christian, this is an important thing for us to know, is to be a successful Christian is fruit, remember to bear much fruit, but it also requires faithfulness. And that's why I love talking about the fruit of faithfulness because it is directly linked to being successful in God's kingdom. It's both fruit and it's faithfulness. Because here's the deal. In the end, there's only one thing that you want to hear the Lord say when you stand before your maker. And you give account to your life and how you lived. 
You want the Lord to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear him say. And so this is why it's not just about fruit. It's also about faithfulness to be a success because the Lord's looking for faithfulness. That verse is found in Matthew 25, verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So that verse is found in the parable of the talents. And so Jesus told this parable of the talents really to show us several things, but one of them is how he views faithfulness. And if I were to ask you, how do you define faithfulness? You know, what would you say? What would be your, your thoughts on that, your words? What words come to mind? For me, it's like loyal, uh, consistent, steadfast, true. All those things kind of speak to faithfulness. But what we see in that parable that Jesus told is how he views faithfulness. So I'm going to read this parable to you, this story that Jesus told, and we'll bring it home as we talk about how God views faithfulness. So here it is, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 23. For the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents to another, two, and to another, one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug. Went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Sorry, I lost my place there. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and what? Faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. There you see the little much principle again right there. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and Faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So here's what we see. Faithfulness is not maintaining what God has given you. Faithful not, faithfulness is not found in just using what God gives you. Faithfulness is not found in just showing up to do your job every day and just in the minimal way, just kind of going through cruise control. That is not faithfulness. It's actually multiplying what God has given you. Now, a talent in this parable, it was referring to money, but Jesus is speaking to a broader definition. It means gifts, time, resources, and ability. It encompasses everything that, that you have, your gifts, all the time you have, resources, and ability. And you want to be a good steward of all of those things. You want to be faithful with all of those things, right? So if we could personalize this, I like to give these guys names. Carlos, Sally, and Ed. Carlos had five talents, Sally had two talents, and Ed had one, okay? So Carlos, what did he do? Carlos took his five and he, he doubled it. He multiplied it, he got 10. Sally, same thing, doubled it, multiplied it, got 10. Ed, he had one and he ended with one, right? 
Carlos and Sarah, Sarah, did I say Sally? Sally, sorry. Carlos and Sally hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. The only thing they did was multiply. That's all they did. So Jesus is linking faithfulness directly with multiplication. Faithfulness is multiplication. It's not just in maintaining. It is multiplication. Because they multiplied what God had given them, they heard the words. Carlos and Sally heard, well done, good and faithful servants. Okay? Here's the last part of this verse. And uh, John Mark, why don't you go ahead and come up? Or sorry, the last part of the story. So this is how the story ends that Jesus tells. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is a reference to hell. So Carlos, Sally, they hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. All they do is multiply what God had given them. So that was faithfulness to them. But Ed, what did Ed do? Ed buried his abilities, his resources, his time, and his gifts. I think Ed had really had two problems. He did not understand the character of his Lord. He didn't really know who God was. And fear. He was afraid, wasn't he? I was afraid, and so I buried it. Fear will keep you from operating in your gifts. Fear will keep you from using what God has given you in a faithful way. And so what did the Lord say to that servant? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? Wicked and lazy. Wow. Servant. So notice he doesn't say outsider. This is someone who's inside. This is someone who is part of the kingdom. Wicked and lazy servant. So here's what Jesus has shown us in regards to our talents. God views those as multiply, who multiply as faithful and good. But those who maintain is wicked and lazy. So the mindset of, you know, I'm just going to kind of cruise through life, do my best. I got my nice little family, nice little job. Um, you know, we can do all this. I'm just going to maintain what I got the best that I can. Now, that is, that is not what you're called to do. You're called to take what God has given you, and use it and grow in your ability to use it and multiply it. That's your calling in life. Okay, faithfulness is taking what you have. It might be little, that's fine. Multiply what little you have. Grow, develop. Uh, because according to Jesus, if you and I don't, we're lazy and possibly wicked. His words, not mine, okay? Don't kill the messenger. His words. So faithfulness is not found in maintenance mode, it's in multiplication. So guys, here's, here's the message. Kingdom success. To be a success, a real success, according to God's definition, is found in these two things, faithfulness and fruit. 
The world will say, make money, climb the corporate ladder, you know, get famous, do all that. That's, that's success, no? Because what you'll hear from people who get all that is they're like, I'm empty, didn't, didn't satisfy anything. In fact, all it did is bring more problems into my life. Isn't it amazing how we still want that? Like, well, I'd still would like to try. I wouldn't mind getting lots of money just to see how it feels. Now, here's success. Pursue this success. Be faithful and be fruitful in the kingdom of God. That's all that matters, friends. That is success. I speak that over myself. I speak that over you. I speak that over our church. Let us be faithful and let us have uh, fruitful lives so that we can be successful in the kingdom. So my prayer for you is that you abide in him, that you bear much fruit, especially the fruit of faithfulness. Can I pray that over you right now? Why don't you stand right now? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.